everybody, welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film. This time, we've got a commission film. Bald Move community member Brady has pulled the trigger on Lost in Translation, the 2003 meditation on loneliness and disconnectedness uh, that was written, directed, and produced by Sofia Coppola. You might remember destroyed the Godfather series. Uh, you know, oh, it was yeah. a going concern and just single-handedly ruined it. Mm. Ruined it. Took it to, 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 to just, just just took it down into the basement, beat its brains out. Yeah, it's a shame nobody it's, talks uh, about those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it stars Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Giovanni Ribisi, which I always forget is in this. Uh, and Anna Ferris, who I double forget is in this. <laughs> she's the one, yeah, that I, I forget about because she's not in it much, but she's there. I always feel like the the the, the guy that's in this is the dude from uh, Entourage. Adrian, Bro- what is his name? No, oh, Adrian Brody. No, it's, I know who you're talking about, but wow. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, and when it's, when Giovanni comes in there, I'm always like, "What? Oh, okay, takes me a while to, <laughs> with his to, wristband." Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like this film. I saw this back oh, yeah. in the day, and uh, I was excited to see that uh, Brady commissioned it. And um, he actually he had a, a another choice. It was uh, man, I forget what this was. It's just a very well regarded anime about love and romance and relationships. Mm-hmm. And we were like, I don't know if that's a, the best commission in the world, because that's part of the commission process is you, you pitch us the idea. We say, you know, whether we think, hey, it's going to be an amazing podcast or whether we're not sure or whether, you know, there's this whole negotiation to it. Um, but I felt like this might be kind of like a lateral move, you know, like it's very, very Japanese flavored, inspired, very heavy on. Sure. That's definitely the backdrop romance, of this exactly. movie. Um, yeah. yeah, there there is a romance of sorts going on here. Yeah. It's something this movie definitely defies sort of labels and and particular descriptions and defies sort of what you think of as a romantic comedy, though. I think that's the closest label I can give it. Pro- this is probably a rom-com. Yeah, you're right. But um, boy, you, you, like <laughs> it's nothing like what you think it of oversells, when you hear the words rom-com. It oversells the romance because you're right. There is it's there's some romance in this, but uh, it also kind of mm-hmm. oversells the comedy. Although yeah. this is a very funny film. Yeah. Uh, in places. Uh, I, I like I said, I really like this film. How, how do you feel about it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw this back when I was. It's interesting because I've, I've seen it a bunch. Um, but when I first saw it, I was probably a lot closer to Scarlett Johansson's age in this movie. Um. And now I'm watching it much, much closer to Bill Murray's age. And it's incredible what a job they do of sort of connecting those two points, right? That Mm -hmm. sort of embarking on the future and being stuck in that and looking back at the past and being stuck in that. And I I feel like I get both of those flavors and both of those perspectives and they're remarkably similar. Have you seen the movie Prelude to a Kiss? No. No. Cause that's uh, it's Meg Ryan and uh, Alec Baldwin and some old dude I can't remember. But the plot of the movie is, um, I believe it's on this woman's wedding day, perhaps to Alec Baldwin, Meg Ryan. She's got this like profound feelings of kind of like ennui and like uh, you know uncertainty of the future. And uh, there's an old man very near death that happens to be passing, and they share a spontaneous kiss and their souls transfer. Oh boy. And it has a lot of the same kind of like 
you know, um, longing for kind of like that, 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 that wisdom or that, um, sense of surety or confidence or something that kind of age gives you, uh, Mm -hmm. secured security, maybe self-security Yeah. yeah. versus like, yeah. Longing back to like when things were new and fun and exciting and where life was all a joke and you didn't take things too seriously and things weren't calcified and rigid. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of, um, I don't know. It feels like they're they're that they they have a spiritual connection. Those two films, but gotcha. Yeah, like what you said is like it, it's it is kind of like I had it's a very similar experience because obviously I think I saw this thing once in the theaters and then once again uh, when it came out to like Blockbuster and I rented the DVD or Blu-ray and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been good fifteen years since I've seen it, and it is yeah. interesting how I I felt different. How, how did you? <laughs> How did you find your feelings changing, I guess? Oh, they they didn't change much. Um, It's just like the context of them changed. So I I Mm. still feel like those characters sort of sort of adrift um, in in this sea of confusion um, and sort of, you know, coming to some greater understanding of themselves over the course of this movie um, and their lives. I still felt that part of the movie pretty much the same, but it was like it's sort of a forward looking thing versus a backward looking thing. Um as as my perspective changed on it. Hmm. Uh but ultimately uh, like the thing I love about this movie is it's able to capture a feeling that so few movies I've ever seen even try to capture. And it's that feeling of like something meaningful and something important coming to its inevitable conclusion. And trying to like, you know, wrap your head around that, right? Just just get get into the space where you can be okay with that. Um, that's the thing I think this movie just does so brilliantly is is portray that feeling, like in those final scenes. Holy shit! It just it because I think everybody's had those experiences, right? Where something that you were excited about is now over, or something that like you know it was was always going to be temporary um mm-hmm. now is inevitably drawing to a close and you have to deal with that mm-hmm. and these yeah, two characters here like... experience that over the course of this movie so they you know they, they experience like the full uh expanse of that that concept right like from its very beginning the inception of it to its very conclusion yeah, I think everybody has had that kind of and sometimes it's like things like you meet a good a best best buddy at summer camp and you're never going to see him again, uh-huh. you know, or you graduate in high school and you you realize that, you know, most of these people you're never going to see again or you're on a business trip and you make a connection with somebody. Yeah, those, those about it, transient things coming to to end like in terms of this is the movie that I always think of the the reference point I have for like a feeling when people talk about how. You know, they worked on a television show for six, seven years with a bunch of cast, right? Um, and they all got to be this close-knit group, and then the show ends. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, we're all going our separate ways, right? And the friendships don't necessarily have to end, but it will never be like it was then. Right. This is like yeah. the encapsulation of that feeling. It's also kind of got a little bit of the path not taken yeah uh mixed in there too because there's a point i think in this movie where both scarlett johansson and and uh, bill murray contemplate like well what if like you know i check out of this marriage i'm bored with and i still continue to be a good dad and 
she dumps this kind of self-absorbed photography guy who she doesn't have much in common with reeling. She doesn't have much in common with and kind of feels an accessory to his life and then becomes an accessory to my life. I feel like in, in, in the case of Bill Murray, like you can actually see that math taking place. Whereas yeah. with Scar, Scarlett Johansson's much younger and doesn't see all the angles as, as Murray says, right. Is a little bit more, you know, like you can see the scene where um, Bill Murray eventually she, I don't know. Should we spoil this movie? You know what? Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's get because uh, um, I can't I can't even give Brady's full thoughts without spoiling the movie. So let's get a little bit of Brady's thoughts in here. Okay. Let me tell the people what this movie's about in case you haven't seen it and you want to uh, check it out. And uh, then we'll get into a full spoiler take. So Brady says, uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on my favorite film of all time. Lost in translation. For me, what makes this film so compelling on an emotional level is the exploration of the central relationship between Bob and Charlotte. That's Bill Murray and, and Scarlett Johansson. From their few, first few playfully innocent meetings in the hotel bar to their deeply honest conversations about coming to terms with the past and future life trajectories, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson's dialogue and character work is electric and moving. I want to stop there and say that Lost in Translation is a movie about uh, an American film star played by Bill Murray. His name's Bob who is on the decline of his career. Um, you know, he's kind of like doing a thing where he's maybe doing plays, but the plays aren't paying that much and maybe they're not even coming. And what he's doing is uh, what he considers slumming in Japan by advertising expensive Japanese whiskey and lending his American prestigious face to it. And he doesn't understand the language. He doesn't understand the customs. And he feels kind of a drift. Um, he's very lonely in the city, full of people. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is the new wife of, of uh, uh, a fashion photographer who is over there in Tokyo in a fashion shoot for uh, some sort of band. She feels kind of like, you know, doesn't really mesh in with his life. And he's gone all the time. She's she's, you know, jumps at the chance to take this international trip, but finds out that it's mostly involved is waiting for him in a hotel. She and Bill Murray continue to meet at the hotel bar and kind of gravitate and form a relationship based on their mutual um, inability to sleep because of jet lag. And that's the movie. That's literally the movie. <laughs> no one's going to die. No one's going to get in a fist fight. Uh, nothing like there. There is not um, big inciting events. Um, it's just people having conversations and revealing different levels of uh, honesty, honesty and intimacy. Until yeah. it's all over a few days later with the backdrop of Tokyo and and a lot of things that you think of as like Japanese, right? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically us. Americans. Yeah. So. I want to come back to like Brady's other thoughts to towards the end of the film after we talk about the whole thing. But like um, there's a couple things since this is a movie that's kind of about nothing more than its central subjects. Um, I don't think there's any particular order or whatever we can talk about. If I want to start something in the beginning. OK. It's the opening shot of the film. <laughs> it's about 45 seconds of just staring at Scarlett Johansson's uh, ass mm -hmm. uh, through sheer panties. Um, yeah, I read a ton of material about what people think this thing means from all kinds of different like um, uh, critique of the male gaze to mm -hmm. appreciation of beauty for beauty's sake to an homage of a semi famous highfalutin photorealistic painter, um, which hangs in her room. What what is it? 
<laughs> what does it speak to you, Jim? Oh, boy. What does it speak to 19-year-old me, uh, first of right. all? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is the genesis of, of my uh, late teens crush on ScarJo. I mean, how could it not be? This movie. Uh, I yeah, want to say this sweetheart. was like, this was probably her breakout role, what I would describe as her breakout role. Because this movie was hugely successful. And she had a variety of childhood performances, right. but like, you know, and she's not an adult. This, she's only 17 in this film. Uh, um, I, yes, I, I looked it up. I don't think she's, that's true. I looked up the the shooting dates when it started filming, and I looked up when she was born, and she must have been like late 18, early 19. Huh. I mean, I don't know why, but like Sofia Cop- Coppola says in her stuff that she was cast as maybe she was cast as a 17 she, she was. Yeah. So they talked about around. this project and, and I think she yeah offered her the job when she was 17. But but I'm not I'm not going for this. Like uh, everyone that thought Scarlett Johansson's ass was was attractive in this movie is a creep. Ha ha, you're caught. <laughs> look, it's more of like 21 when this movie came out. Right. So like you said you're 19. I, I think there's I think there's inconsistencies uh-oh. in the story, Jim. Oh, I should have got this straight before the podcast get, get busted. <laughs> Yeah, Relax, so I, man. I'm not Chris Hansen. I'm just saying that, like, um, <laughs> you know, that that uh, she's supposed to pl- be playing uh, a girl uh, like 22, 23, 24, uh-huh. just out of college. Unclear what kind of degree she's got. Well, the philosophy degree, but whether it's a Ph.D. or whatever, um, she's yeah. playing much older than when she's actually in the movie. Um, anyway. And, and that was that continue. was my age at the time. And so, like, right. obviously, you know, very, very attractive woman. And I was very attracted to her. And this shot is one of those reasons, certainly. But fuck me if I could tell you what it means. Uh, and and I'm not even sure that uh, Sofia Coppola could tell you that. Um, because everything I read from her says, I don't really know why I put it in the movie. It's just there. Um, and, and, you know, whatever, artistic intent, uh, authorial intent. Mm-hmm. be damned I, I don't know if you want to take everything that the director says at face value even though she is both the writer and director and producer on this mm-hmm. uh, but yeah if she's not trying to put a, a big label on it I don't know that it's fair for me to it's funny because I remembered that scene as being part of the scene that establishes her on we with Giovanni yeah. Rib- like Staring I thought that that was going to be and- yeah, and he was going to be getting ready. But like, no, nope. the movie just plows right into Bill Murray and doesn't get back to ScarJo for quite a quite a while. And I'm like, yeah. interesting that like my brain wanted this scene to have more meeting and more establishment <laughs> or that mood carries through to all of her initial scenes. It's like it's very it does. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's blatantly sexual, but uh-huh. it's not sexualized. And that's not the you, you get you get conflicting. It's you get conflicting signals from it. You know, you get the blatant yeah. kind of like sex appeal, but also the melancholy um, of the scene. Um, I sure. do think there's something to like critique of the male, male gaze because it does go on for a long time. Yeah. Like you're you become aware that the scene has gone on for a long time. And it's just that's how the movie starts. It's like, you know, focus productions. Bam, ScarJo's ass, 45 seconds. Soak it in. It's the camera's not pushing in. <laughs> the camera's locked. She's just laying there and you're seeing her her backside. Yeah. It's it is it, a but title it, card, it does, but it doesn't it, it does anything. grab you. It it does it, grab absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, especially as yeah. a young young man. Uh it grabbed me. Uh yeah. I I don't know what it means though. No idea. Um 
And then it goes it it, 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 it goes from Scarlet's uh, Heine to Bill Murray arriving in Japan, Japan, and he's met by his, I guess, handlers. Yeah. And they're just like and and it's uh, clearly he's been here before. So he's kind of like familiar and has a little contempt for the process. But they also mm-hmm. do this weird thing where he's also even though clearly it's not the first time he's done it. He continues to have this kind of culture shock as if it does. And I feel like I feel like the movie is a little dis. I don't know how much of this stuff is just uh, the movie swinging for fences here and there and hoping you don't notice, but like, or all how much of this is like engineered that like we as an audience feel disconnected because there's a couple of things that don't match up with what we're told about Bill Murray. You know, is he world weary and over it? Or is he kind of like been to the first, uh, his first Japanese photo shoot and the director's behavior is bizarre and all that kind of, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Bill Murray is able to play it with like, I don't know if aloof is quite the right word to describe that performance, but during those particular commercial scenes, he plays it with just enough like feeling of he came in expecting this and he's just playing his role in this whole ridiculous charade or something. I, Bill Murray is such a subtle actor when he's when yes. he's being yeah, this well, shaman shit. Period. Uh, full stop. Yeah. That I sometimes don't know completely how to read him or I start reading too much into his performance more than maybe the movie wants me to uh, because he's not giving me much to work with, even though he's expressing kind of exactly what you need in that moment. So I come into these Mm -hmm. scenes going, well, he kind of knew what to expect in this thing. He's over it, but this is the motions he's got to go through to get through it. You know, Mm -hmm. he's just like, amusing himself almost in a weird way like oh that's really that's all he said that's because it seemed Mm. like he said a lot more uh almost like joking with himself in those moments because he's so disconnected from everyone else yeah i had this theory though i I mean all that stuff it makes perfect sense and it's like a fine interpretation of it but i I kept on trying to make this thing work as i was watching it this like you know how um, kubrick used impossible architecture yeah. In like the shining, you know, like rooms that actually cannot connect the way they're shown and shot because, you know, the way that the turns you make down the hallway, the placement of the window, all this stuff is like the fact that like Murray's constructing impossible emotional architecture <laughs> to make us feel further uh-huh. disconnected because you're right. Like his performance is so close to the vest. Yeah. And he's not giving like it's it's very hard to to. And, and and the way the thing is filmed, too, like I noticed the emotional palette, like when he first meets ScarJo, he's a lot more paternalistic. There's a whole bunch of scenes where he's like they have like father daughter energy, mm-hmm. you know, or he's caretaking her. Uh, there's a scene where he kind of like takes her home and like carries her and tucks her in bed and she smiles at him sweet. Like it's very filmed like a traditional father tuck that scene where he's like asking her okay you got your room key where's that it's in my purse you got your purse okay let's go yeah right it's a bunch of dad joke stuff and that's at the beginning and then it gets more intimate and like psychosexual as it goes on and i felt like the natural order of that would be you know for him to start that way and then kind of like there's a point in the film where he realizes oh this is just a girl and then he becomes like uh like more paternalistic i don't know but I feel like it's almost a like cart before the horse. And it's another thing, another piece of that huh. um, emotionally impossible internal architecture that makes you feel kind of unsettled. Um, 
and I, I think uh, the slip, thing is feel slippery. I like about that sort of reversal that you're talking about, right? Of the typical pattern um, where he would sort of start to see her as as a young girl and stuff like that is that this is portraying a connection between two people. And I think you can almost limit the description of these people to they are two human beings, right? Take, take out all mm-hmm. the baggage from their lives. Take out that she's married to this fashion photographer. He's a famous actor married with kids over in the States. You can take all of that out of the equation and just say, these are two people connecting and, and sort of like flipping those like that, that typical pattern is a way to like reinforce that idea. Um, hmm. And I don't know if that's intentional, but it definitely has that effect on me because I don't go into this thinking, okay, well, what are all the criteria of their relationship? I just think these are two people who identify with each other very strongly and in these moments are connecting as human beings. Hmm. And that's why I'm not even sure that this is a romantic comedy even. Well, it's definitely not like a a sexual romance comedy, right? There's the, the most sexual thing that happens between them is that kiss at the end. But the, even mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like it's, it's a sexual thing. It feels more it's like it is changed, a, yeah. yeah, like a, like a humans connecting sort of thing to me. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know how, how you maintain that throughout this entire film when there are multiple scenes of them, like in a hotel room, laying on the same bed together, like, facing each other on the pillows, they always manage to maintain that feeling of not, not distance, not like emotional distance, emotional intimacy, but like not physical. Yeah. It actually, a lot of the energy when they're sharing beds and she's got her like curled up and got her feet on him and all that kind of stuff. It felt like late third act groundhog day energy where he's like given up the chase and he just wants that, just to make just to have that human connection like everything right. in his life is forced to be surface level because he keeps re re you know living the day no matter how much he learns about some everybody else is stuck and like it had that you know and they even in fact if they even use those words a lot of times like we're stuck here i feel like i'm stuck right you know I'm, I'm stuck in this position um so i felt like that you're right it isn't sexual but that is always hanging in the air it's like for sure with your analysis it's like if someone hadn't seen a movie you could you could see it's like oh well their relationship entirely chase and it's like it's this isn't like a tort affair you know but like there is definitely that energy in the air and you gotta wonder really acted on right and that's right the restraint there did bill murray sabotage it by having sex with the redheaded lounge singer because it almost felt like i think he confused it but not sabotage, right? Because I think they both realize what that is, which is some stupid mistake that like he didn't want to make. He he regrets immediately mm-hmm. as he wakes up and she's like in the shower singing or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he also doesn't have to be like maybe it's one of those things where it shows that he's trying to be careful with this young woman's feelings. Like, right. cause like he's clearly not above just taking advantage of someone to get physical re- or not taking advantage, but like having meaningless sex with someone who's yeah. all, you know, is this lounge singer in Tokyo. If she's, you know, making eyes at you in a bar, clearly she's game for it. I, I don't know. I thought that was. Yeah. The balance. tactical attack, tactical affair, like it, to kind of like diffuse uh-huh. the energy from the other thing that he was kind of uncomfortable about, like, Ah, this might be real shit. I don't know. Yeah. No, it, it's remarkable. The the restraint that the film shows um, throughout this, throughout the runtime of them just knowing that that vibe is in the air 
but mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a relationship that could be physical, but it's never consummated. And right for good reasons. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why it shouldn't be. Um, and by the end, like everybody, it, it plays with all its cards on the table. And I like that. It, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like, the movie is ever holding anything back, even though a lot of stuff remains unsaid. It's interesting because, you know, we, we've talked about this without talking about it, but this is set to be kind of like, you know, your stereotypical May, December romance. You know, she's in her early twenties. He's in his mid fifties. Um, and it doesn't quite go there. And I wonder if it's like, this is the, this is uh Sophia as a, as a woman director kind of like making this a little bit more because I don't know this this movie would have aged as well had Bill Murray gone right to like it's gone right to sex or been like a torrid sex affair or like oh, something yeah. like he was like really you know but, but like I don't know I haven't I haven't paneled a, a whole bunch of women but I, I don't just from this film's reputation um, I don't feel like like I, if, if uh, Scarlett Johansson was that's a real character Charlotte's a real character and she thinks back 20 years later to this time and in uh tokyo is there anybody man or woman that would be like you know she really felt took an advantage of like maybe at the time it felt nice to be swept off her feet and have this kind of like pat blah 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 but like you know she's when she really thinks about it like she feels a little i don't think so and i think that if they had consummated the physical relationship um i think the numbers i don't i still think the majority of people probably wouldn't go and be like oh my god he really took advantage of her and she'd feel really used. But I think those numbers shift significantly for sure. Um, the more, you know, uh, th- that kind of stuff went on. So like, I felt like there was this fine emotional tight rope that he, she's walking here. And I want to say, and she, I'm talking about Sophia C- uh, Coppola about like how people felt about it at the time. Um, you know, uh, what 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 she's actually trying to get at what the what she thought the character's moralities were what she thought the character's internal ethics and stuff were and mm-hmm. it felt like all of them stayed on the right side of that i don't know does that make sense yeah yeah it totally does um and i think that's an important part of this movie and what makes it so distinct from others cuz yeah as a young man this definitely like influenced my opinion on what relationships can be like uh, there, there can be a sort of like sexual energy in a relationship, but you don't mm-hmm. have to act on that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's you know totally normal and okay to feel that way about a relationship. Because uh, mm-hmm. you know so many movies are just like, well, if you're attracted, of course you're going to make it physical, right? That's just right. The Damn obvious the consequences. Thing. What are, you know? You're going to just not do something because it might cause a lot of pain or hurt and. Right, your life plans like you know you got to get it in right yeah making that your default mode is probably not very healthy so seeing something like this is in a way weirdly refreshing yeah but it's also interesting because like there's also a way to tell the story where you know because i think yeah it's a it's like you know like it's uh scar joe's ass for 45 seconds like you're gonna have a natural reaction to that regardless like if it turns out you found that scarlett johansson is 17 she's actually 17 in that thing um, it's not like your body's going to be like, oh, well, pff, you know, this is not attractive anymore. <laughs> um, it's like what like a meditation, like what do you do when you get inappropriate sexual energy or, or sexual energy from a source that you can't like ethically uh, yeah. indulge in it? You know, like a third mm-hmm. big age gap or there's an experience gap or there's a power imbalance or you're married, you're in a committed relationship with somebody and so is the other person. Yeah. Like 
to plow that energy back into the uh, uh, a channel where it would be appreciated in maybe artistically, maybe sexually with your actual partner. Uh-huh. Um, but like, and this movie kind of does that because I noticed that like after the, one of their most intense encounters, he called his wife and tried to have like a conversation with her. Yeah. And then she got out a whole bunch of pictures from her and Giovanni when they were like young. Like, I mean, they're still a young couple, but like <laughs> right, they're married early days years, when, yeah. yeah, when she's still the amateur photographer that hasn't realized what a fucking clip, like, uh, got in her own head about it, you know, like what a cliche that is. Um, that there's like, they both tried to kind of like, but then that doesn't actually go anywhere. Um, which I thought would have been another, like if this is a shorter film, you could have just stopped it there. And it's like, yo, here's a healthy way to redirect that energy. And, mm-hmm. um, but, and uh, this we, is, we wanted the full movie here. This is a pretty short film though. Um, it is it, you know, from a script perspective, because there's a lot of lingering. Um, and, and a lot of those lingering moments are the things that I remember about the movie visually. Like that there so many of the iconic distinctive shots you think of from lost in translation happen in the first five ten minutes of this movie like that that ass shot is one of them the mm-hmm. uh one where bill murray's just sitting in his slippers and a robe on his bed mm-hmm. looking sort of like toward ish the camera um that's an iconic one the shot in the elevator with him towering above everyone is iconic mm-hmm. there's just so many of those moments that happen bang right up front and it's kind of set a mood and a uh a speed a tempo for this movie um that yeah i guess doesn't doesn't have a lot of like script sort of powering it forward. It's a lot of just like lingering with characters. And I know there was a lot of improvisation when they were filming this thing because, you know, if they have extremely talented actors, um, extremely talented crew here and they could just let the actors do what they wanted sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I saw that because when you're talking about how, um, you know, minimalist from a script. Like, I'm not even sure if it's fair to call, say this movie had a script because what it had <laughs> was a bunch of vignettes that Sofia Coppola, Coppola had gone through with her f- 35 millimeter camera and just gone around and like shot a bunch of beautiful places in Tokyo and a bunch of places where she liked the lighting and the way the streets are. Mm-hmm. And then put Scarlett uh, Johansson and Bill Murray in those scenes and kind of let them improvise. There was a lot like, I guess all of Bill Murray's dialogue and in, involving the Japanese directors and like interacting with the chefs and stuff like that's all just Bill Murray fucking with people yeah. and you know, Scarlett trying to like get her digs in where she can get it. Um, very few scenes and like a lot of the, you're right a lot. Like when the script might say Scarlett and Bill go to a karaoke party and there's no dialogue. There's no, no real written dialogue. It's again, right, Bill Murray right, fucking with people and Scarlett dancing and being cute and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's five minutes long and it just, you know, but, but every, every one of those purpose, every one of those film, every one of those scenes, uh, served the purpose of making, uh, Scarlett and Bill feel like at the end of the day, all they really want to do is go home and, or go back to their hotel and go to the bar or go to their bed and lay down and talk about life philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, figure out how to get unstuck, right? <laughs> or yeah. figure out There's what another... being stuck means in their lives. Yeah, but, uh, Roger Ebert loved this movie, and he wrote two reviews for it. Um, oh. He wrote the original review, and then five years later, he inducted it into his great movies. Uh, right. and wrote his great movie review for it. And he, he, made, he made a couple of really good observations in his reviews that re- lets me know that like uh, Roger Ebert's a pretty deep, wise old file. He said, um, one of the things he, he pointed is the fact that like this is... Um, when two people meet and have that sensation of no feeling like you've known them forever, 
that can literally only happen with a stranger. And yet, like, it's always he said something to the effect. It's like it's it's interesting that it comes to people's complete surprise that they can't ever have that connection with their spouses, you know, <laughs> like the feeling that, you know, because like sure. with your spouse, like you presumably at some point you did have that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And then you actually got to know them and then you stayed with them for 5, 10, 15, 20, however, 50 years. And it, you do have been with them forever. So the only people you can have that uh, sensation of like feeling like you've known them forever is the people that you've just met. And it gives this kind of like artificial spark and gas to 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 the relationship which i thought was a pretty interesting observation and 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 suited the like really suited the movie the 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 mood of the movie well yeah yeah they use sort of the catalyst for uh there are two catalysts for change one in each of their lives right um she married very young before she even figured out who she was and so her husband didn't know who he was either and now he's changing right he's he's this Uh becoming this shallow like i don't know how to describe him but it's not what she thought he was um he's changing something else and then on the murray side on on uh bob's side he got into this relationship that has lasted 25 years and they had kids and i think the kids he, he talks about the kids being the catalyst for change there where like once you have kids it gets even more complicated right because now his wife is while he's off filming, she has to stay home with the kids and they grow apart. And those are the sort of catalysts for each of them. And I think it was interesting how they parallel those things into just sort of a generic idea of people changing as time moves on. Right. Because that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can almost see like the way Scarlett plays that scene of him talking about kids and how they change things like her. Like you could you could. My my headcanon says that her and Giovanni probably talked about maybe having kids. So, you know, that's the next thing, right? You've, and, you've dated and he got married and right. he's got his career. And now why don't you have kids? And she's seeing that like, oh, God, this is going to, you know, almost like a, a prophecy or mm-hmm. or seeing you in the future from a different, you know, because Ex- that's is- exactly what I felt when they're laying on this bed talking about, you know, those those things. I very much felt like you were having a conversation with a future version of of you, someone who's lived your future uh that was the interesting thing the interesting dynamic in that scene well and something i never got in this film uh in my previous watches is the fact that they were trying to deliberately draw a line between scarlet and bill because you know what's what's bill famous for he's famous for his dry kind of sardonic and also biting sarcastic wit Mm -hmm. and the movie does a better job telling rather than showing the fact that that's scarlet like you know because she makes she's trying to rib Anna Ferris about, you know, how dumb she is essentially. And Giovanni's kind of finished like, well, you know, everyone, you know, not everyone went to Yale, but she's just kind of like talking shit about people. Cause that's how she is. And then that's yeah. how bill is. And then when they get together, that's kind of how like, you know, he kind of gives her the business and she gives it right back to him. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all playful. But then they also mirror it in like after he quote unquote cheats on her with the redhead lounge singer. And she kind of hurls an accusation at him about, uh, I forget what like about him being old and washed up or something. And he comes back with just like a right, like didn't, there wasn't there anyone else to lavish attention on you, which shuts her the fuck. Right. But <laughs> right. They, they had this thing where like, yeah, I never got the fact that like, they are very kindred spirits and to say the way they look at the world, not just in their just temporary isolation, but the movie is trying to tell me that Scarlett Johansson is kind of like shaping up to be, um, a wise ass, like, like bill. And it was funny. Yeah is that Scarlett Johansson right now could effortlessly convey that 
because she's gotten really yeah. good at that kind of sharp biting, you know, ball busting kind of stuff. Um, but uh-huh. I don't think she had that gear back in this film. So it's more of a sketch and a suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's another um, line where they, they kind of delve even further into that when she's talking about her writing and how she didn't like it because it was mean. And he's like, ah, oh, mean's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a writer, mean is probably okay from time to time. Uh, you know, you need all flavors and mean is a flavor. You know, the other thing that's, it's, uh, I thought they were setting up a contrast between Giovanni and Bill Murray is the fact that like Giovanni, uh, worries about her but doesn't care like there's that scene where like he's yeah yeah, like he's like oh i wish you'd not smoking because it's this is bad for you but he's worried but he doesn't really care about her whereas murray's portrayed as the opposite he cares but doesn't worry like most like in almost every time conversation he comes to like she talks about like some kind of existential crisis and she he's like yeah you'll figure it out Mm-hmm. You know, oh my god, this degree and that's worthless. Ah, you'll figure out the angles. You know, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing in life and stuff. Like, ah, you're young, you'll figure it out. Like, he's got, I, I don't know. And and the, the thing is, like, I don't know if that's real confidence because it's also could just be an older guy being like, ah, just just kid kid stuff you're talking about. Could be kind of dismissal, but I don't think that's how Scarlet takes it. So it's like there is, and and just the same way that like um, she is portrayed as very different from his wife. Or where she is now yeah. that like, you know, this she's still carefree. There's a lightness to her. She's not cynical. She doesn't give a shit about 14 different shades of burgundy for a carpet and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're attracted to that thing that they're not getting with their partner, which I think felt really well, well developed. A lot of that is just, you know, the fact that they're giving each other attention um, because and, you know, they have that connection, that that understanding between them. Uh, there, there's so many scenes where they portray their spouses as disconnected and oblivious, right? Like every, every, every time he's talking to his wife about carpet samples, he just clearly doesn't give a shit and she doesn't really notice she's going on and on about it. And then, you know, eventually hangs up on him and they say, bye, uh, John Giovanni Ribisi's character in this continues throughout the entire movie every time he's about to leave you know he says i love you he gets nothing back he gets she never once returns Mm. the i love you in this movie and he never once notices and that's Mm. the thing right he's so oblivious he's so wrapped up in his own life that i mean there's probably an element of truth like she probably is an attention seeker uh a bit Mm -hmm. and since he's not lavishing that attention on her he's always gone he's not taking notice of really anything about her um Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the many things that's driving them apart. Yeah, but there's also like they show like, you know, these hints of like Bill Murray noticing how because like I said, I this is my headcanon is like I thought Bill Murray the whole time knows that there's no way this can be consummated. There's no way that this can be continued on past what it is, whereas yeah. I think Scarlett Johansson is there's like she's a little bit more open to that. And one of it is the scene of him like going out with her friends and like him meeting for and they're all kind of looking at him like why is this old ass person here uh-huh. you know in the outside t-shirt and like the idea that like you know if you're a 57 year old man like ultimately how can you hang out with 22 year olds and not feel and look ridiculous sure you know um it's be one thing it's like you know like if you're early 30s and early 20s it's already kind of but like at that point and i i, I felt like that whole scene was just showing how 
he really felt just as awkward around her friends as he did around anybody, you know, um, even though they spoke English a little bit better. And it was all about, again, mm-hmm. like, ah, can we just get back to in fact, I felt like the movie kept on finding ways to get them ethically out of just ditching their friends like, oh, right. uh, one guy's going to wisecrack to a bartender. He's going to run him out with a fucking <laughs> BB gun. And in the chaos, and- they get lost. Yeah. Yeah, and then, oh, they're going to go, they're divided, but, like, they invited her to a strip club party. Who invites an American girl to a strip club party? Let's just, oh, of he's course we're going to bail dance. on Let's just get out of here, yeah. Yeah, of course we're all going to bail on that. It's like, you know, she's just, like, ditches her friends, like, three times in the movie, and the movie's always got, like, this thing. It's like, well, it's okay. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, like, if they, they were actually going to spend time as equals or something, it's just like, yeah, these, they're fucking Japanese surfboarders and fashion models and rock stars and... You know, and he's this old over the hill actor. What the fuck? <laughs> well, you know? it's hard to separate like Bill Murray from the character in this movie, too, because they are both aging actors and Bill Murray, you know, remains relevant. I think uh, I, I oh, still of course. think both his choice of movies and just him have kept him relevant for far longer than a lot of actors. But in these scenes, I'm I'm feeling like, oh, this is Bill Murray walking into a room of 20 two to 26 year olds honestly he could probably hold court like he's probably Mm -hmm. an entertaining enough guy a well-known enough guy that he walks into a room of people half his age and they will still like all flock to him uh Mm -hmm. like he's the hottest shit ever but i don't know i like that's probably you know 40 year old jim going I'd like to hang out with Bill Murray because he's a part, big part of my childhood, right? Like, I probably have a bias yeah. there. No, I mean, that's the thing. In real life, like, yeah, Bill Murray shows up and to a team, like, even now in his 70s, he right. shows up to, a, a, a you know, have pizza with a bunch of college kids and they're all going to fucking love him. If nothing and, else, they'll just like, oh, Zombieland. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's still like this cultural iconic figure. Yeah. Um, but that's, you're right, like, I think setting in Tokyo, I was able to divorce that because like the thing that they, they consistently shown is like no one really cared that much. Like he the, the, right. the, the people that bothered him were American like businessmen, and tourists like this yeah. idea that like, man, the only thing that can make you feel more lonely in the city where there's all these people around and hustling and bustling, but you can't read anything. You can't understand anything is like people from your own country coming and then trying to start an unwanted interaction, you know, right. And you feel yeah. like the only way this interaction with uh, Charlotte could have happened is in a foreign country where you're not nearly as well known. Because like, right, you, you because try this, you try and go to the the orange bar in America, and everybody's going to recognize you, want pictures. You you just can't sure. go out when you're that stature. So like, yeah. And even without like like she mentioned that Bill Murray kind of blends into the background. He's just a dude. <laughs> but like, if you're no. in a Tokyo. Uh-huh. I mean, he he laughs at that because it's so obviously false, right? Like, you think so? He's I think three Bill feet taller than the next highest no, okay, person. Yeah, like, that's that's what I okay. But I'm <laughs> saying, like, an American bar, you're you just pass over him and see a crowd. Like, okay, but in yeah, a Japanese yeah. bar where he is like towering over everybody, uh, you like if you've been like in a foreign country, like, I don't know. This is going to be like ugly American as fuck, but it's true. I find that like a lot of the people of the like, and this is true for like I French Canada as it is like, you know, Mexico or whatever. But like, 
you since you don't understand the language and you don't understand what people are doing, like you kind of tend to lock eyes if you see another American, for example. Sure. sure. Or you hear like if you're in like a you know a Spanish cafe and you hear someone speaking English, your your ear picks up on that. And I felt yeah, like yeah. that was they're illustrating that in a bar. It's like their eyes kind of naturally met as they're kind of looking over. It's like, oh, here's someone like me. And there's that that flash of recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, it's it's not just uh, you know recognition that hey, this is probably an American, maybe speaks my language, but right. it's a kindred spirit kind of recognition. There's also something even that like and that yeah. magnifies it because like always, you know if you're in a bar and you see someone that you kind of feel a connection with, it's like going to be magnified a hundred times if you're in a foreign country. Oh yeah, you know just the inherent romanticism. I thought they did a really good job of like, cause like, again, it's probably cause it was directed by a, a woman, but she did a very good job of making no one feel that like Bill Murray is the aggressor. Like Scarlett Johansson right. buys him a drink across the, the restaurant. He kind of salutes her. And then he like, then he just leaves. Right. Like he is not yeah. definitely like, chasing and trying to like you know corner her in elevators and stuff like that it's stuff that she mm-hmm. keeps can and he kind of finally is like okay well you know um i thought that was because like if if the shoe was on the other foot and he was sending drinks to her and like faxing her in the middle of the night it would come across a lot more inherently creepy absolutely yeah uh and also honestly bill murray is just really good like i noticed that um so I was going through Sofia Coppola's uh, filmography and I'm like, I haven't seen a lot of this stuff, but I saw that she, she wrote, produced and directed a very Murray Christmas, which <laughs> no is one kidding. of my, one of my all time favorite Christmas uh, uh, specials. It's on, it's on Netflix. Um, and I noticed that something that says when we were watching this year, he interacts with a lot of young women and he's got a, um, I don't know. There's like, there's a, <sighs> There it's it's a it's a it's a risky skill to practice, but there is a way for like older men to charmingly kind of flirt with younger women without making it seem like creepy um, and making it seem very appropriate. And, like fucking Bill's the master at that right. uh, when he's interacting with like Miley Cyrus and uh, uh, who's the arcade fire. OK, uh, woman from the Wizards movie. Uh, uh, I, anyway. Like I just noticed like and I think he's yeah, he's got a certain kind of like not smoothness, but like non threatening aura to him. Yeah. There's definitely a very like he's extraordinarily charismatic, but he's also like so reserved and at at a distance from like I don't know. Yeah, he comes across as very non threatening, but not extremely not inviting right because and also somehow cynical and yeah i don't know man it, it's yeah, really he, impossible to describe him yeah non-threatening is not the right word because he's certainly got an edge like you uh-huh. wouldn't want to cross bill murray i wouldn't right. think he's a little bit intimidating but he's also like you said charming and disarming and mm-hmm. um not aggressive maybe that's assertive not aggressive um yeah uh before kind of talk about some of the more kind of random or I guess scene scene specific stuff. I want to get back to Brady's thoughts. Um, he says, here's something controversial. Despite the fact that Bob and Charlotte cl- clearly commit shades of infidelity, there's an emotional affair. If nothing else happening here, I believe the morality remains intact throughout the film. This story is about star cross lovers who say, fuck the stars with the amount maximum amount of grace possible for better or worse. This film has taught me to empathize with adulterers. Uh, people change and relationships change. I'm happily married with kids, but if my wife were to stumble upon Bob or Charlotte in real life, I'd like to think I'd understand. 
The funny thing about being human is knowing that life is finite. We get one shot. Why would I deny my wife a connection that seems that she deems fulfilling? Sure, I'd be sad, but I'm a pretty great catch and I'm confident I would find love again. Or maybe polyamory is my natural fit. <laughs> but I digress. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I kind of feel like I grok with that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not saying that I would be uh, I would be happy if Cecily had an affair on me. Um, in fact, I'd be pissed because like it's it's like, you know, you, you didn't, you know, you're not, you're not going to tell me. Um, yeah. But like. I, I guess that's the thing is like, um, yeah, I would hate to feel like I would get in the way of someone's happiness or if our relationship has deteriorated to the fact that like, you know, a random stranger could sweep her off the feet and give her something that I'm not giving her to. It's like, has the relationship already ran its course or should yeah. we, is that it, it wouldn't be, it'd be a conversation of like, God, should we like reinvent? Cause that's, it's one of the things I read, like when I got a divorce and I was trying to figure out, like, what is morality and ethics? You know, like it's clearly not like you get married to one woman and you have sex with her the rest of your life and then you die in peace and you go to heaven. And that's at least that doesn't didn't work for me. <laughs> um, and it just kept, it, it just kept coming back to like, yeah, uh, why do you want to feel like someone's trapped in a relationship with you? If like you realize that, like, hey, I'm kind of got bored in this relationship, then either reinvest. Because that's a lot of times like, oh, these person's so interesting. We had these all these fascinating conversations. Well, when's the last time you talked to your husband or wife about your deep seated dreams and goals and what you want out of life? Yeah. Has it been longer than five years? Well, then fuck. Yeah. Then a random person you're attracted to that wants to talk about that stuff is going to seem new and exciting. So maybe reinvest that sure. into the relationship or and, and, and then if you do that and it's still not working, then then maybe you, you exit. But like, yeah. This was a hugely influential movie and how I viewed like traditional relationships and masculinity and femininity and how that all mixes and all all that kind of stuff. Um, Or or more of like I I came started to become convinced um, that like you shouldn't just bumble through life. Like you shouldn't just like settle for whatever you've got right here. If there's no longer growth, if there's start if there's active decay, then, you know, what, what what's the morality of continuing that situation is getting worse and worse and and deader and deader right i mean isn't the whole point of of marriage or or commitment to someone that you're going to reinforce uh each other to bolster each other to make each other better because if not what are you doing why why are you in that mm. relationship in the first place and you know once that ceases to be true yeah i mean it makes a certain amount of sense that you would you know, if you found something that was better, um, that everyone involved hopefully would see it as like, yeah, this has run its course because people change. I mean, that's that's the fundamental thing they're doing in here, right? Is that that change where their partners have changed, they've changed. I think like Bill Murray's character has probably changed a lot over those twenty five years, um, mm-hmm. even though they don't really get into that. How the the main characters themselves have changed. It's more like how they're relationships with their spouses have changed um, right because that is a two-way street for sure like mm-hmm. you know you could you could just easily see like oh his wife back in the states met someone while he was off in tokyo doing this shit commercial thing and there's even know, a little hint to that right? there's even a little hint to that when you're one of her faxes is like i'm spending lots of time with the pool crew while you're kind of and i think that's like 
you know, the people working huh. on the pool, there's like a little bit of like, there's a hot pool guy here and he's fucking me. <laughs> oh, no. Undertones. Yeah. Okay. You wanted a cliche in this movie? There you go. <laughs> I think it's like, so it's like when you say I empathize with adulterers, I guess I do too. Cause like I, you know, shit, I'm a sinner and I can, I, I'm real easily talked into why other people sin and why they should be forgiven and all that stuff. But I do, I do think it's scummy is the, the, the lying and the cheating and the, the, you know, the dishonesty that yeah. goes hand in hand with adultery. It's not just necessarily. And that's where it's like, you know, like maybe you should decide whether this relationship has run its course and end it before you pursue something else and that's add betrayal on it and fuck with the person. Or maybe you should just reinvent, you know, like maybe there is something there and you just you you water it and you fertilize it and you take care of it. It'll it'll grow back. I don't know. And that's why I I'm like just, I'm just a dude. The, the way that this movie handles the the physical nature of this relationship throughout it because they never, you know, but it's complicated by the lounge singer thing. uh, The affair Mm -hmm. that he has, or not even the affair, like the night he spends with her um, Mm -hmm. that complicates it. Right. Because I'm thinking the whole time, okay, they're not, they're not going to get it on here. And that is a good thing. They can have this emotional connection. They don't have to make it physical. They don't have to make people feel like they were cheated on. Uh, anything like that and then they can go back and they can figure out their lives afterward but hmm. it is complicated because of the lounge singer who he bangs in the hotel room at night I these are kind of like I feel like it's there if, if they didn't throw that scene in I mm-hmm. think you could think that like Bill Murray's character is just such that he can't cheat on his wife and sure having that um disproven of and i feel like of course like he's been here like he bill murray probably cheats a lot on his wife you know i'm just taking a bunch of stereotypical it's probably you know, semi-open yeah. relationship in hollywood cup blah blah you know kind of i'm taking a lot of that shit into that but you're I'm, not talking I'm about bill that murray this the man also you're talking about no the no, no i'm talking about bob bob, bob murray mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but bob the, the fact the fact that he um has probably cheated on his wife multiple times. So it's like, it's not that it's like, there is something that he's being extra careful of Charlotte. Okay. And I think it's like, you know, like if you, cause there's, uh, there are ethical ways for older people to have, have re- sexual relationships with younger people. If you're interested, like Dan Savage has talked about a lot of this on his Savage love podcast, the campground, uh, philosophy that if you're, mm-hmm. if, if you're an older person and you're in having uh, a relationship with a younger person, that you have to leave them in better condition than you found them. It's like like a campground. You're not supposed to go and leave a bunch of beer bottles and trash. You know, if you find stuff there, you're supposed to. So like you shouldn't ever lie. Like there's like a couple of you, you can't ever lie to them. You can't ever use them for like uh, some kind of monetary gain. You can't like, you know, like you're 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 supposed to essentially uh, constantly trend, you know, like like build them up um and 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 help them and like you know all this other stuff or and, and certainly not lead them on or like say like oh my god you're loving my life and i'm gonna leave my kids for you and all that kind of stuff and i feel like that is a little bit like what murray is trying to do here is because again if he does they do have one night of meaningless sex i don't again if this woman's 22 23 i don't think it's going to make her feel completely cheapened and whatnot but i do think that like yeah, 20 years back, it might change how she felt about it. Like, oh, that was just a relationship where he was using me for physical companionship and I never heard from him again versus I spent this amazing 
relationship. I had this amazing weekend where I felt this intense relationship and they did. They, he, he didn't take any advantage of me, didn't take anything from me and maybe gave me some some words of wisdom, allowed me to reinvest in this thing with Giovanni. Or maybe I could pull the ripcord and find someone that, you know, is actually still at the same position to me starting off the life. And we can have this thing that we build together and like you and your wife did, except for we won't ever take it for granted and get complacent. I I felt like that is what that rela- that affair did. Is it made it a, a, a fact that this was something that he was doing to kind of be careful and be protective of, of Scarlet or I mean, Charlotte, then it was <laughs> like, Oh, just this, this, this Bob guy just isn't going to cheat on his wife. Okay. Yeah. That makes a certain amount of sense in the context of the movie. I, I still feel like eh, that sucks as far as like his wife and him go. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Cause, cause sure. I'm, I'm with you. Like that, that honesty is the most important part of it. Right. The, the idea that if you do spark up some, connection with somebody else that is is far and away above what you have with the the person that you're in a committed relationship with that you would figure that out together you would you would bring mm-hmm. that to them and and you know it wouldn't be this one-sided thing of well i i cheated and then i'm i'm leaving you for this lounge singer i found in tokyo uh mm-hmm. it, yeah so if you're not coming at it from that perspective um it more the perspective of the Bob and Charlotte relationship. Yeah. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense to tell us that about Bill Murray's character. Well, there's also something that makes it like, uh, you know, he's had this conversation with his wife and he starts talking about how he feels lost. And she's kind of like, Oh God, Bob, you know, she says like, should I worry about you? What did you think? Cause, cause, uh, cause I think you could read that as like, should I worry about you like having an affair, doing something crazy over there? Or should I just like worry about you like losing your gourd and not being yeah. able to handle the spread? I, I felt like as the, the latter, latter, like mm-hmm. I, I don't think she's really worried or much cares if he has an affair over there. And, and, and as long as she, he comes back with a check and uh, helps her with the kids <laughs> right. and is a good father, like that's what I got from uh-huh. it. I don't, but I don't know if that's, so I didn't feel like any kind of like, I don't know. Okay. Bill is this real shit for cheating on his wife, but. That's just my head cannon. Um, yeah. Obviously, she's entitled to be as pissed off at infidelity as, as the next person. Um, a couple questions that uh, Brady has for us here. Uh, you know, here's the one that everyone ponders when you walk out of this movie, because this is, I think, one of the first movies I'd seen that was like this. Intentionally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So right as they leave, uh, Bob pulls Charlotte in close and they share a kiss and then he whispers something to her ear, which is intentionally inaudible. Yeah. Uh, in the final scene, what do you think Bob whispers into Charlotte's ear before kissing her? <laughs> okay. I, the answer is I don't know. And I don't. Are we meant to know? Like, does it matter? what he whispers or is the the emotional significance of that moment the important part of this scene to my thinking ding 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 you just nailed it but there is a lot of other schools of thought there's people that have gone through and digitally reprocessed this to like pick out words and try to figure out what and of course even then you can't get surety because there's like four different YouTube videos that kind of like break <laughs> this down, use different filters and they come up with like, um, and I, I was gonna say like, I think this is b- beside the point. Like if you yeah. were able to, with star Trek technology, perfectly divine what Bill Murray was saying here. I don't think that 
is what you think it is. Because, for example, I've seen the Pulp Fiction briefcase. It's just mm-hmm. a big battery with a yellow light bulb in it. But if you think that's what John Travolta looked at when he opened up the case on the set, then you're, I don't know what to fucking tell you because right. your your mind is so goddamn literal. I don't know that you can appreciate appreciate fiction or literature or mm-hmm. uh, uh, imagination. So, like, even if you decode what he actually said, I still think that's like saying, aha, what was really in the briefcase was a fucking yellow light bulb and a battery. All oh, your theories about souls and band-aids and gold <laughs> and Nazi stupid. gold, all that stuff is stupid stupid because it's just a yellow light bulb so like i want to get that out of the way but i think it is interesting that some because some people like this is the truth you know um the one that brady favors is um i have to be leaving but i won't let that come between us okay and he also interprets that to believe that their relationship continues oh boy okay but I will say this or add more doubt. Even if I was to say that that is intent, that is what Sophia Coppola wanted him to say before she had the idea to blur it out and make it ambiguous. I don't know because like, that's just Bill Murray saying something very ironic and cutting the tension with like, I know I'm leaving you, but I'm I'm not going to let that come between us. Hmm. That's a joke. Hmm. Not like I'm going to look you up when you get back home and, and steal you from your photography boyfriend and leave my wife and kids. It's just like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be apart, but I won't let that keep us apart. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Am I what, what do you think of that? I, I, of that particular interpretation of that of that interpretation of what he may have said. Um, sure, that could be right. I don't know. I've never tried to put like words into that scene. I've always just felt this is the moment that everybody has where something good has come to an end. You don't want to let it go, but you have to let it go. And yeah. And it's a powerful emotion coming from both of these people. And this is their one last chance to express it. They hadn't really done that up until then. They'd kind of danced around it. Um, and you know, with the phone call he makes to her to try and bring the jacket down and she brings the jacket mm-hmm. down, but there isn't any, time or space for that interaction to be as intimate as they want in the moment. And then here amid this sea of people, right in one of the most chaotic uh, frenetic cities in all of the world, they come together. They have a singular moment where they can let each other feel what they're feeling and then they move on. And that's, that's the essence of that scene. And I don't really, I don't know. And I don't really care what he says to her. I feel the exact same way. Honestly, I think you nailed it. Um, I think that like that, the ending is essentially a a coin toss and like a Rorschach test of like, do you want him? Do you want these people to leave their mates and then start this relationship um, based on this one weekend, this week that they spent together in Tokyo? And if you do, you want him to say something like, you know, I'll, I'll always remember you look me up when you get back to blah, 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 something Right. Um, and if you don't, if you think that, that that's a bad idea and she needs to reinvest, then there's a various where there he says something along the lines of promise me the next time you see John, you'll tell him the truth. And even then, that's like so ambiguous that you could look the truth yeah. about what, how you really feel about him, <laughs> how you feel about me, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about like, I, I think this is an end to the relationship between Charlotte and Bob. They, mm-hmm. they will always remember this, but this is the definitive end. But also. 
it might be an end to their respective relationships with their spouses too. I don't know. It, it may not be a scenario yeah. where like she needs to reinvest or he needs to reinvest. Yeah, it might no. be that this has changed them and their lives in the future and they are going their separate ways and then their paths are going to branch from here yeah. wherever they lead. Yeah, I mean, when I said all that mess about reinvesting, I don't mean like if you're in a lousy relationship, you just your answer is to reinvest. I'm saying like if, that's, her life, if you're okay. in a relationship, in a disconnected relationship, yeah. if you find something new before you throw everything away, maybe reinvest. And if it doesn't work, you know, if, and like, if it's rebuffed or the other person's like, why the fuck are you trying to reinvest in this shit? Or aren't we aren't we? I thought we were going to just like dive boredom together. Like then then maybe pull the ripcord. I don't know. Do yeah. some marriage counseling. But like. Yeah, yeah, I I agree because I I don't think that like I I feel like in, if my my heart of hearts when I first saw this movie I clearly remember thinking that he probably said something like Humphrey Bogart's like Hilla Bean speech you know like hey you know what we had here is something like what is it against like my twenty year relationship and my kids and what is against you uh, starting your relationship and or starting your 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 whole life is ahead of you yeah and my yeah. life is like behind me and like this is just a inherently uh, a stuck place for you to you to be in it's a liberating thing for me. so but but like yeah like whether he went back and passed things up with his wife or whether she came back and like you know st- I, I don't really care because you're right it's about that moment. And what yeah. that meant. And I think everybody else is like the, the coin flip and everybody's, you know, like wanting to wait for the call. And if they see its heads, it's like when they know, oh, he's actually going to stay with Scarlett Johansson. And that makes me feel disappointed. That tells you what you felt about it. But it doesn't say anything about what the movie actually did, you know. And I think it's this final scene is like the, the coup de grace for this movie. It is the stamp that this movie puts on itself. Uh, because I've seen like I'm prone to wanting to know the answer to something mm-hmm. to to a riddle like this. Like I think of Inception, right, where Nolan leaves you with that final top sure. spinning and spinning and spinning. Will it fall? Well, that's up to you to determine. And I go back through the film and I look at all the things that say it could fall and all the things that say it doesn't fall. And I weigh the options. and I come down on a side in this movie. I don't do that. I, I feel intensely this connection that these characters have and I leave the movie with that feeling and that's all I really care about kind of choose your own adventure like there are definitely points of evidence and there's I I read a really interesting theory there's a couple of out there theories about this movie there's one that's like um, Bill Murray's a time traveling Giovanni (laughs) Ribisi have you seen that one got it okay what's the evidence I gotta know I got. No, know. I mean, I like. I didn't take this movie seriously. I or this, this analysis theory. seriously, okay. but yeah. the but the idea that he was like, um, you know, Bill Murray, like like him and ScarJo are still married, and they're in the future, and they've lost this connection, and he goes back in time on this business trip that he, where he kind of realizes that this is where they he first lost a spark with her and tries to rekindle. It's it's a cute theory. It has nothing as far wow. as I know as evidence. Yeah. There's another piece of evidence that like the fact that. Um, there's a there's a group of people that contend that Scarlett Johansson and, and Bill Murray did have sex and him her having his jacket is the clue because he gives her his jacket. But then when they're riding up to the rooms, he's wearing his jacket and like, is it a continuity error or is this really wink wink? They actually had sex and he left a jacket in her room. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I feel like it's it's unlike t- unlike uh, Inception, it did feel like it was a, a puzzle for you to solve and there was a definite answer there. I really do feel like it's it's a choose your own adventure like what do you want them to happen and and what that says mm-hmm. says a lot more about how you view really 
relationships yeah. in general, your relationship at the time sure. uh, that you see the movie, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because um, I will say that, like, when I saw this 20 years ago, I was much more in the camp of I hoped that they would get together. But now that I've seen this as a almost 45 year old man, I was much more in the camp of like, I'm glad that they didn't because that would really complicate like how I felt about things from like Scarlett's, you know, um, perspective. But yeah. Um, let's talk about just random shit in this movie. Uh, okay. I think there's a, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had with like, um, the Japanese director, like he's just talks a storm. Sure. And then the translator's like, he says, look at camera. And mm-hmm. he's like, Is, that's all he says. And then she asks for clarification. Uh, first of all, he says, is left or right? And she goes and gives a Bible back to him. And then it's, and he's, and she's like, oh yeah, turn to the right, but intensely. And I'm like, is the joke that like, she is giving him all the direction? Because when he says just left or right, she speaks like, for five minutes so right. like it could be that it just takes I, I i'm not sure i don't know enough about japanese where like it just takes forever to say something or she's a bad interpreter or what or she's like interpreting his intentions from his question and trying to convey those to to the director like or they're both complaining about what a pompous uh-huh. ass this guy is and that that's <laughs> being left out um it's very kind of ace ventura um, I all thought that stuff was really, uh, really funny. Um, I thought the first time they did the uh, lip my stockings, oh like my the, God. The, the transliteration joke, that that was pretty funny. This but whole like, scene. Mm-hmm. This woman is insane. Insane, man. I, like, I she's trying to seduce him, but it's clearly I, I not working. Like, but I think it's like a Japanese kind of like stereotypical salary sure. man kind of like it's uh-huh. a borderline rape fantasy and that's what they're used to catering to or yeah um, she came in but, with certain expectations of what he wanted and boy those were not in line mm-hmm, with what he really wanted <laughs> but then it's like when like there's a couple scenes where it just feels like he's fucking with this the people and it's like I don't uh-huh. know if that works as well you know like there's scenes in the hospital where he's just fucking oh, with this old God. dude and, and, like, and the old you, dude's fucking with him, maybe because there are which, women in the background. I don't know if you saw this, but they are laughing their heads off, man. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because like the shit that they're saying, like uh, uh, just just riffing on each other, is legitimately hilarious, or it's just like they're making fun of Bill. Mur- that's I think that's what makes it okay because in most of the scenes, the yeah locals are having as much fun with bill murray fucking with them because man, that's a th- that's a fine line, isn't it? Oh yeah, like I noticed um. There is this thing where they had Anna Ferris and they're all interviewing her and she like says karate, but she says it like karate or like she takes a stab at a Japanese pronunciation and the whole crowd are kind of like, oh, I was delighted. And I'm like, <laughs> right. As an American, we like nothing more as much as a foreigner that barely speaks our language and they're making game attempts at like, you know, and they're getting things wrong and they have novel pronunciations of things like rock and roll and they saying funny and we, we think it's very we, we like that. But that can turn on a dime to like also mm-hmm. like intense racism of like, oh, these foreigners can't talk right. They sound like they're a bunch of idiots. And it's like kind of I don't know, like what is and it feels like it's a universal thing because the Japanese like to see the Americans struggle with Japanese as much as we like to see maybe like the reverse. Uh, it's like a infantilizing of the target. 
Is, is that what it is? Like the fact that they're they're speaking broken language reminds you of a child. So you kind of have that kind of like, ah, oh. but then it if the child be. gives you lip, it's like, fuck you. You're a child. You don't know what you're talking about. Is or, that the- or like a willingness to to see the attempt being made and forgive the mistakes, even even though the mistakes are inherently funny. I like, is that the thing that makes it OK if like it keeps it from going into, oh, well, you're shitting all over this person who. I, I don't know, because like I said, it could turn on a dime like, uh, you know, if, if it's yeah. uh, someone being interviewed by Jay Leno, it's super charming. If they're just on the street asking for directions, it's fucking annoying to being openly hostile. Like, right. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, but it's, there was a couple of th- I thought kind of rode that uncomfortable line of a, a, a time or two. For sure. Um, yeah, especially the, the scene in the sushi restaurant where they're sitting at the bar and looking at her black toe and. Yeah, he uh-huh, makes some jokes the about them, you know, there being a delicacy the and then some weirdo pervert's going to want to come in here and, and cut off a slice and taste. That was borderline for me. I'm yeah, I'm not certain that age very well, but, you know, it's one joke out of a bunch. No, there's a tough there's a lot of weird stuff like in the movie, like where Scarlett Johansson's on the subway and she's like casually looking over at this guy who's just browsing softcore anime yeah. manga pornography, mm-hmm. you know, like that would be so not acceptable to do. Well, I mean, I, I know it happens. I know there's people that do it like there's people that do all kinds of crazy shit in public transportation. Right. But like it's seen as gauche, you know, you just don't do it openly, shamelessly. And like everyone's kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, yeah. The, the Japanese people have a different relationship with sex. Um, yeah than America does certainly and I, I yeah. think it's fair to point out you know how strange that is to us I don't I don't think uh-huh. that's racist or anything no uh, also not racist Bill Murray almost getting killed by a what do you call those gliding machines like cross-country elliptical elliptical yeah. him <laughs> on that elliptical shit. man <laughs> the way he screams help <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like when he goes to touch it, and the thing like smacks his hand away, and like it looks where you're like genuinely hurt. Like the 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 first part I've seen, I'm like, my God, Bill Murray might actually take a header on this thing because he's like yeah. not in control. He's not oh, in no. control of how fast he's going, and he's going oh. much faster than you feel like he should. Yeah, his like this is a real showcase because he's very physically he's a, he's a very talented physical comedian, and you don't get to see that a lot now. And is it's mostly his like sly verbal. Uh, facial kind of work but he gets to work that too because one of my favorite scenes is the final call he makes to tell her he's leaving and he's like I wanted to you know blah because you had my jacket so goodbye and enjoy my jacket which you stole from me and he hangs mm. up I just think that's so fucking hilarious man yeah it's good it, you know who else gives me those those kinds of vibes is Aubrey Plaza she has like a similar yes. energy to Bill Murray yup God, I hope she has a similar like long career to Betty White. Can you imagine 90 year old Aubrey oh, Plaza geez. still fucking slaying and that shit just like yeah. Betty White does? Man, I really because like <laughs> she is like completely unpredictable in interviews and in, like movie roles. Uh, some of the stuff she's done and like Legion and stuff is so incredible. Yeah, yeah. 100 percent. All right. Well, I think that's about it for Lost in Translation again. Uh, what a weird. I'm surprised this this film was like if this feels like a movie that should have gotten like two stars when it came out and then everybody realizes, no, it's brilliant 20 years after it's released because right. um, it's like one of those few films that comes out kind of like Pulp Fiction where like when people saw it the first time, it's like, 
holy fuck, what is this? I've never seen this before. This is amazing. In 20 years, it's still like, holy fuck, what is this? I've never seen something like this before. It's, it's amazing. Um, and uh, I am so glad that uh, Brady here asked us to watch it, had us do it as a commission podcast. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate all your very generous support, Brady. And as a reminder, if uh, this is something you'd like to do, I got a favorite movie, a couple episodes of television you want to watch, uh, whatever, two to three hours of, of media, we will watch and tell you what we think of it. It's called a commission podcast. You can find all about it at support.baldmove.com. Thanks again, Brady. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this podcast, and we'll see you on the next one.